directly concerned Sherlock Holmes. My blood turned cold. Alas, those few words written on a slip of paper did not describe exactly what had occurred. Mrs. Hudson only mentioned Holmes' dire health and urged me to come as quickly as possible. I gathered that he had probably suffered a coronary thrombosis. I replied at once to expect me tomorrow and reserved a seat on the morning train to Sussex. That night I could not sleep. To my knowledge, except for a touch of rheumatism that he complained of in his letters, Holmes did not suffer from any grave ailment. I must concede, however, that his lifestyle during our years together was a recipe for a coronary. The strain and stress of his generally unbalanced regimen must surely have taken their toll. But why had they culminated now? After all, in recent years his sole occupations had been tranquil philosophizing, literary studies, and a bit of farming— on the journey the next day, despite the breathtaking view of sun-bathed fields and pastures from my compartment, I was beset by troubled thoughts. I did not even read the Morning Times, the front page of which was devoted to the latest crisis in Morocco. France and Germany were vying for it with unceasing persistence. Each was attempting to forge an alliance with England, which only heightened already elevated tensions in Europe. The recent military defeats had been a shock to England's self-confidence, and had revealed the Empire's unpreparedness for war. The paper speculated that King Edward's Entente had been an error that had led us away from our time-honoured, splendid isolation. The rest of the paper was full of tumultuous domestic reports, the Irish problem, suffragettes, and the demands of the working classes. Nothing new under the sun." nothing to unburden my mind of its cares. There was only one item all the way in the back of the foreign affairs column that piqued my interest, a story about the violent death of the famous Italian factory owner, Vito Minuti. He had been shot in his office right in the middle of the day, and they only found his body several hours later. The culprit was being hunted by the police commissioner heading the investigation, who did not want to discuss suspects or motives. Clearly they were dumbfounded. Indeed, I had been infected by a Holmesian scepticism towards the police and their work. I only raised my eyes from Minuti's obituary as the train pulled into the station. A coach was waiting for me and immediately took me to Cuckmire Haven. For those last few miles before reaching my destination, I sat on the coach-box next to the coachman, as though on tenterhooks. My heart was racing. I feared whether I might be too late." Good Mrs. Hudson, who had taken care of Holmes for many decades, and had even left her native London to follow him to the countryside, was already waiting at the doorstep. As soon as she spied us, she waved her hand and hurried over to the coach. "'Doctor, dear doctor, thank God I'm so happy that you are here,' she cried, extending her arm toward me before the coach had even stopped. "'How is he?' I asked, in lieu of a greeting. "'The pastor is with him,' she said, breathing heavily. At her age she tired quickly, and any excitement exhausted her. I hopped down from the coach and gently embraced the diminutive woman. "'Last rites?' I gulped. "'Not yet,' she said, crossing herself. "'Do not paint the devil on the wall, or he will appear. Pastor Barlow is a friend of Mr. Holmes. He runs the parish and often visits us. Today he came in order to cheer him up a little. In truth, yesterday evening I feared that Mr. Holmes would not live to see you.' "'What happened?' I inquired, while Mrs. Hudson led me into the house. "'His heart, doctor, his heart,' she sighed. "'For several weeks now it has been ailing him, but in the past few days it has gotten worse. "'He had his first heart attack the day before yesterday. 
The doctor prescribed him some medicine and confined him to bed, but he still does not look well. He is pale and listless and does not eat. I had guessed correctly. May I see him? Yes, of course. That's why I sent for you, she said, tears forming in her eyes. Never had I seen her so wretched. I quickly found my medical bag among my things, and while the coachman unloaded the luggage, Mrs. Hudson and I entered the house. As soon as I entered the vestibule, I detected the unmistakable scent of Holmes's tobacco, which some might call a stench, and which I could never forget. The house was permeated with it just as our old lodgings had been. I recollected the times before we lived together when I would return from visiting him. My clothes had been so redolent with his tobacco that I immediately had to take them to be laundered. Mrs. Hudson, who knew me almost as well as she knew Holmes, wiped the tears from her face and opened the window vestibule.